1: Pucks with Hags is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network.
0: And welcome to another edition of the Pucks with Hags podcast. I believe this is like the 43rd episode of the Pucks with Hags podcast. I'm always a little, a little dicey on uh, on keeping track of the exact number. I know somewhere we're somewhere in the early 40s, but I think that's something to be proud of. Certainly, uh, my buddy, longtime hockey writer Josh Cooper, uh, here with me today. We're gonna. Talk a little Bruins, uh, swing around the NHL a little bit, just talk about some of our observations from the first month or so. But before we even get to that, let's get to the uh, sponsors real quick. Let's thank – we'll switch it up. We'll thank this one first this time. Factor Meals, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. Calorie-conscious options. Try delicious dietitian approved calorie-smart meals with around or less than 550 calories per serving. Done in two minutes. They're delicious and they're healthy. I've actually – had these meals and they not only are good but they're good for you. Uh, so head to Factormeals.com slash HAGS50 and use code HAGS50 to get 50% off your first box. Just pop it in the microwave, it's really easy to use. And the, the other one is uh FanDuel Sportsbook. Uh the NFL is obviously uh coming towards the playoff down the stretch here. The NHL is in full swing. We're a month in, so things are starting to get going. Uh so customers get $150 in bonus bets in, with any winning five dollar money line bet. That's $150 bucks if your team wins, spreads player props over under so much more. Visit fanDuel.com/slash Boston and kick off the NFL season right. Um, all right. So uh let's just start with the elephant in the room before you even get into anything else with the Bruins or the NHL uh, really sad to say and report that um, reports uh, this, uh, these things have been confirmed. Now uh, Milan Lucic had a, uh, uh, an alleged domestic uh, incident on Friday night. Um, he is taking an indefinite leave of absence from the team. It's not a good situation uh, as far as, you know, the the press goes as far as the way it looks from the outside. We certainly don't have all the details right now. So I'm not going to dig in one way or the other on uh, any of this until we find out exactly what happened. And, you know, Lucic gets a chance to at least um, say what happened and give his side of it. And certainly we get more details as to what exactly happened, but I will say it's just really unfortunate. I'm sorry to hear that this happened and that this happened with Lucic coming back to Boston. It was such a good story at the start of the year him returning to the bruins him coming back into the fold and it looked like it was going to start it was going to go really well he had a strong start out of the gate uh made a nice nice play to david poster uh for a goal looked like he was carving out a, a fourth line sort of leadership role uh on the team but then he got hurt uh got hit with a Derek forward shot in the ankle had not been seen since on the ice um was trying to rehab from the injury. And now this happens. And it's really a very uh, sort of nebulous, vague status that he's in right now with an indefinite leave of absence. I think it's the right thing for him, the right thing for the team and everybody involved until, you know, this all gets hashed out and um, dealt with one way or the other. But uh, as somebody that's known Lucha a really long time, that's, that know as uh, knows his family, as uh, you know, his kids were born in Boston, uh, it's just really sad to see. And I hope everything gets resolved. And, you know, everything uh, everybody comes out feeling uh, feeling OK about the situation. But, you know, we'll have to see how it plays out. But I uh, just want to mention it off the top, not hide from it or pretend it didn't happen. Uh, but there's really not much we can go on aside from the Bruins saying uh, that it, confirming that it happened, confirming that he's taken an uh, indefinite leave of absence and that he's not going to be around the team anymore uh, for the time being. So we'll leave that at that. And we'll move on to actual hockey on the ice. The Boston Bruins are going to take the Montreal Canadiens Canadians on tonight. 12-1-2 um, so far this season. The last weekend they were in Montreal. They lost a game in overtime. Jim Montgomery was not happy about that um, loss. Uh, was was vocal afterwards and critical of the team about showing sort of mental fatigue and making mental mistakes. And then uh, Monday at practice, uh, it was a bag skate. The first time I've ever seen the Bruins Uh, at least in the last 10 or 15 years, have any form of a bag skate. It wasn't, you know, Herb Brooks saying again and again and, uh, you know, making them skate after a game for an hour. Uh, It was probably 10 or 15 minutes. But, you know, and Coop, I think you can probably attest to this. Uh, You notice as a journalist, as a hockey writer, when at practice the pucks get put away in the season during a practice and all of a sudden guys are uh, skating up and down the ice like that, like they would in maybe a training camp conditioning sort of thing. Uh, It's just not something you see happen during the regular season almost at all. So uh, it was interesting to see that happen, but it really sets up a great backdrop for tonight that all of this came out of that loss to Montreal and you would expect a highly motivated Bruins team going into this game after what happened because they haven't had many low moments like that. This season,
1: I've been a big believer. I'm always a believer in buy in coaching. I understand Patrice Bergeron retired, everybody freaked out because he is one of the greatest players I've seen in my lifetime. But if you have the talent, which the Bruins do have, and you have the coaching, which Jim Montgomery has shown the ability to coach very, very, very well, yep, and he knows how to push all the right buttons from what I've been able to at least watch. Then you're gonna be good, and I think that that just shows the excellence that they ascribe to with the Bruins, that Jim Montgomery ascribes to, as the Bruins coach. That hey, you know, we're one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference, uh, best team in the Eastern Conference. We're still gonna bag skate you when you lose to Montreal. So, I mean, like that, that to me, that just shows how dialed in he is to what this team needs. And it shows to me how much they've bought in in the sense that I mean, you have to see how they respond, obviously. But that I mean, look, players can can dog a bag skate. It's not like they have to actually like skate hard. I mean, they're they do whatever, yep. they can do what they want. Yeah. But if they skated hard and they listened to their coach, which uh, I mean, you were their hags, like you you probably would notice if they if they didn't. Yep. That to me shows that they are all in on Jim Montgomery, which is huge considering the fact of what they lost. I mean, geez, I just think of like the people that they've lost, like the last few years. I mean, they've lost their last two captains, whatever the last five years or something like that, uh, who are just hall of fame players. So to me that, that, that has turned into something that has been more important for them. And if they respond great. And that shows that he's dialed in again on what this team needs.
0: Yeah. And I I do think uh, that's all true. And I think that, it's interesting, the change in demeanor and style for uh, Jim Montgomery this year, where he is a lot more demanding. And these are things that have happened a few times already. when they went on the West Coast at the beginning of the year, he really reamed the team before they played San Jose, basically saying they were going to get embarrassed if they you know, played the way they practiced when they first got out into California. And it was very different from, I remember uh, at, at the golf course uh, in Plymouth last year, uh, the first event of the Bruins season is always the Boston Bruins foundation golf tournament. And all the players are there and the coaches there. And that's really the first time you talk to them before training camp opens. And I still remember guys like Taylor Hall, Brad Marshy, and other players talking about um, the soft approach uh, that they were going to get from Jim Montgomery coming in after Bruce Cassidy. Right. And uh, how that was sort of needed for like maybe some of the younger players and some of the players that uh, Cassidy had turned off with this hard driving style Um, But I think we're seeing now that the soft approach is gone um, for Jim Montgomery, you know, and that was a, something he felt comfortable doing a, or felt like he had to do uh, because he was just stepping into the Bruins situation and wasn't, you know, too sure of the terrain yet and was just coming into the job. And also because Patrice Bergeron was there and he was kind of the de facto coach on the ice leader, Uh, he didn't Montgomery really didn't have to get involved in motivation and getting into the room and sort of taking things over like that because Bergeron was there and I think this is a much different situation this year with Bergeron gone having vacated the captaincy Brad Marchand coming in as a new captain and Montgomery one year more uh, comfortable in the role one more year experienced in the role and knowing what happened in the playoffs last year and that they need to get frauded a little bit and challenged a little bit and it has to be a little bit harder of an approach than it was last year and I think this is Montgomery kind of you know figuring all that stuff out and I think it's a great adjustment I honestly think he's doing a better job coaching this year than he did last year when he won the Jack Adams um, it's really interesting to see all that happening um, but I think I think it was necessary just based on you know the, the the cards that he was dealt this year and kind of the different situation that they're in and it's you know, it's working. The 12-1-2, uh, they lead the league in goals against. Uh, average It's average offense right now. They're great, very good defense, uh, elite goaltending, and average offense that they're parlaying into winning hockey. Um, I still have questions about whether they're going to be able to do this and sustain it for the entire season because a lot of games they have to win by one goal in the third period and just hang on at the end, and that's a hard way to win all season long. Um, If you're just, you know, not getting separation from other teams, and you're just dogfighting in the third period for one goal wins, but you know, you're you're not really a stranger to that when you cover the Nashville Predators. That was kind of their uh, lock and parcel in their stock and trade when Barry Trotz was coaching that team, right?
1: I very trust the GM of that team. And they're uh, they're they they could be doing better, but I think that's a bit of a rebuild at the moment. But
0: yeah, but I yeah. mean, in past years when you when you yeah, were no, them, they were just, very much that. Hard-working, win by a goal, sort of like, you know,
1: yeah. defense-oriented defense team. I know. I'm just thinking, like, life coming full circle. Barry Trotz is the GM, and he's he dresses impeccably as the GM, by the way, <laughs> by versus him as the coach. Like, I've seen how he's dressed at these games. He looks very old school and, and dapper. I love it. Uh, but, no, I mean, what I find interesting about sort of the grinded out win style is people say, oh, that works in the playoffs. I have no idea. Like, I like, and that's the thing that we learned with the Bruins is that I thought they had everything that they could, could have possibly needed for the playoffs last year. Not to sort of bring up bad memories for Bruins fans, but yeah. uh, is there a chance that this sort of style lead, lends to more playoff success that they're not blowing off the doors in every team? Maybe, um, but yep. you just have to get hot at the right time, and it it comes down to a moment. It comes down to a play, but but you also have to get in. And so if this is the way that they're gonna get in, and and I, I've never really sort of been a fan of kind of the oh, we're gonna rest guys going into the playoffs. I've always every team I, I've seen that's gone in a deep run for the most part has had to really push it hard to actually make it. Yeah. And that's when when the Bruins, I mean, I'm sure we've rehashed last season over and over again on your podcast, but um when I saw the Bruins kind of resting guys down the end, and it's like, oh, we have a plan for Patrice Bergeron and when he's going to play and when he's not going to play, you can never predict when a guy is going to get hurt. And he gets hurt in the last game he plays in the season. I mean, that it's it's unbelievable. So, you know, but I I personally believe that if they keep playing this style, if they keep grinding it out, if they keep winning these games, they're going to have more success. Because you mentioned the Nashville example. I mean, Nashville had Shea Weber, Ryan Suter, and Pecorine very similar in some respects to how the Bruins are built on the back end with all their incredible talent and goaltending. However, what Nashville didn't have was David Pasternak. They did not have Brad Marchand. Um, They did not have the talent that the Bruins have up front. So to be able to sort of grind out those wins and have guys who are, I mean, Marchand is probably ticketed for the hall of fame, which is so interesting me to even think of considering where he's, you know, what he was back when the bruins won the stanley cup back in uh, in 2011
0: i mean and- by the criteria we have for hall of famers my criteria is always was he a dominant player at his position yes. his era and he was one of the best left wings for the last like 10 plus years in the nhl so there's no question and he's an iconic player on top of that uh his style of play You know, the way he's viewed around the league, his personality, like all that stuff. He just he looks like a Hall of Famer. He feels like a Hall of Famer. Like he's going to be one of the players that's talked about most often of that era when it's all said and done. Hold on. Let's jump in the DeLorean.
1: And go back to 2011. Could you believe yeah. that in 2023 we'd be having this conversation about the little ball of hate? I mean, no, like, no not at. But he turned himself into, and I remember really seeing it at the World Cup in 2016. Because remember, it's the Hockey Hall of Fame. Yep, not The NHL Hall of Fame, and he's won a World Cup with Team Canada, and then he probably would have won a gold medal with them if not for the pandemic. But like, yep. I, I, I just I think uh, and his numbers would also be better if not for the pandemic. I mean Ovechkin would be the leading the goals, you know, would be past Gretzky at this point for that too, for not for that and and lockouts. But um, but the way he transformed his game and I just remember him playing on a line back then. They were all much younger, but with Sidney Crosby and uh, Patrice Bergeron and just how beautiful the game looked when they played. It was almost like watching three iconic soccer players, like just sort of dribble around people, but it was in hockey and they were doing it. It was, you knew every time they were on the ice, they were a danger to score. Um, and watching him keep up with those guys and in many ways being equal to them showed me in 2016, Brad Marchand was one of the top five. Fo- no, I'll say players. I was going to say top five forwards, but top five players in the NHL at that point.
0: Yeah. And yeah. Uh, which is, yeah. which is cool. all right everybody we're smack dab in the middle of the nfl season you know what that means that means more time for you to get involved with fan Sportsbook. sports book that's right uh, the nfl season is in full swing even the nhl season is in full swing as well so you should be getting uh your wallets out and you should be getting involved with the excitement that is fanduel sportsbook Scor- score early in this nfl season with fanduel america's number one sportsbook and the exclusive wagering partner of the clns network right now new customers get 150 dollars in bonus bets with any winning five dollar money line bet that's 150 bucks people if your team wins so if you have a good feeling and you know um let's say you you're betting uh all your money on the team that's playing the Patriots because you think the other team is going to win and the Patriots are going to lose. That's been a smart bet all season. You do that, you get 150 bucks from uh, from FanDuel Sportsbook. How do you like that? If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in the action than right now. The app is extremely easy to use. It's a wide range of betting options that include spreads, player props, over-unders, so much more. The app is great. Uh, it's, it's very easy to use. Um, so visit fanduel.com/boston and kick off the NFL season and do it right. Right now with FanDuel Sportsbook cuz they got your back and they're going to give you 150 bucks in bonus bets if you win that $5 bet. Mass 21 and Plus present in Massachusetts. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire 7 days after receipt see terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com gamblinghelpline.ma.org or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24/7 support play it smart from the start gamesense.ma.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234 and he's uh, he and Patrice Bergeron i think will the best be the best duo in Boston Bruins history. And his numbers are, you know, climbing up the charts of the top 10 uh, in all the big categories uh, franchise wise for the Boston Bruins. Like we just did um, the all centennial team at the beginning of this year, it's a centennial season for the Bruins. So the writers got together in this committee and had uh, the top 100 players of all time. We put together the top team of all time, which was like 12 forwards, six D and two goaltenders, I believe. And, um, you know he was a no-brainer i couldn't even believe to be honest with you uh and i nominated him for the the all-time team uh i couldn't believe that there was even needed needed to be a discussion about it because he's just like a slam dunk like one of the all-time greats for the boston bruins and you know some people were getting into like recency bias and all this other stuff and it's like he's top like five in like goals points uh you know, he leads the, the franchise in shorthanded goals all time, leads the NHL from the time he got here in shorthanded goals uh, since he came into the league. He's a Stanley cup champion. You know, any way you look at it, he's an iconic player and he's one of the all time greats both in the league and the Boston Bruins. Uh, but to your point, you're right. They have some talented forwards that can turn, turn uh, take over games and do things individually, offensively, Posnek for sure. Like it's funny you thought Pasternak might struggle a little bit this year without David Krejci uh, and the change at centers. And,
1: I've been talking Bergeron, but I forgot about Krejci
0: yeah, too. of course. Yeah. But like, it, but he hasn't missed a beat, you know, he's point per game. He's, he, I think he's on a pace for around 60 goals again this year to start the year. And I think he's even better than he was last year uh, to start out right now. So it, it, they they are in a very good si- situation even though their center situation their center spot is kind of muddled and uncertain and um you wonder if they're going to address that and and certainly they feel like they're one top 6 forward short right now yeah. of a true like deep playoff run kind of team so yeah,
1: it, I can see that it's,
0: it's going to be interesting to see how it works one thing that you did mention though is Pecarine um and one of the things that was talked about and sort of a news item with the Bruins this week was um, Jim Montgomery basically saying for sure the Bruins are going to heavily consider just going strict goalie rotation in the playoffs this year, like they did in the regular season and playing all Mark one game, Swayman next, and then back and forth uh, as a, as somebody that's been around hockey a long time, can you envision that really
1: truly no. going out in the playoffs in any way? No, shape? no And I, but, but it has nothing to do with the rotation it just has to do with the days off and yeah. the playoffs. You get so many days off and a guy can get rusty. And then all of a sudden you're throwing him into essentially like the, like, like the most intense hockey he's played all year. And I, I don't believe in it. I, I do believe in a goalie, you know, getting hurt. And then the other guy comes in yeah. and, goes, and we've seen that over and over and over again, in the history of the NHL, but for whatever bizarre reason. And I mean, I love the goalie rotation idea. I mean, one of my favorite GMs in the NHL is Jim Nill with the Dallas Stars. And when he had, shoot, I forgot it was, it was, um forgot the two goalies he had.
0: Kudobin, one of them?
1: Le- no, it was pre Uh I want to say it was Ranta and. Not Ben Bishop. No, not Bish. No, it was pre that i'm guy who played atlanta was drafted like high there and then headberg oh, no i'll it'll, it'll come to me at some point but okay. um but he had a goalie rotation and I, I actually thought it worked really well for them and he was like look in today's nhl when you're playing so many games in so few nights like you you need two really really good goalies and yes. that's up to the coach in the playoffs how they're going to handle it but i've just seen it just bite coaches too many times and then it yeah. just becomes the storyline and who could forget like alan Walsh and mark andre Fleury with the sword and <laughs> yeah like it it just becomes a thing too much and it it you know you have to maybe as a coach insulate your team from that and say this is what we're doing but then all the media starts asking about it yeah. everyone starts thinking about it Um, every goalie's different players have to play differently in front of them. I I don't I don't like the goalie rotation. I think it works really well in the regular season, but for some reason in the playoffs, and I can't put my finger on it at all, it just never seems to pan out.
0: Well, I think you're right, and I think the biggest reservation I have about it is that you're gonna get second guessed as a coach. I think a coach is gonna have a hard time going to a strict goalie rotation you know, if, if a goalie, if Linus Almark, let's say he's, he starts game one and he's lights out, he makes 45 saves. They win like two to one. You're not going to play him in game two after he plays a magnificent in game one. And you're going to go to the other guy um, where you could lose all momentum and you could, you know, you're going to turn away from a a top tier goalie that looks like he's on top of his game. Yeah, And, you know, I think that's where it comes in and it's going to get really difficult. Like it's, it, if you got into a sort of a, a rhythm with it and both guys were playing well, I could see maybe that developing and, and that happening. But I think that would be really hard to have the discipline as a coach to be able to do that. Um, but he, he did say that he had a conversation with um, Bob Asenza, the goalie coach, and both goalies at the start of this year and basically mapped out that they're going to pretty much alternate goalies all year. And I think that includes the playoffs. I think it's going to be, You know, really tough to go away from that, and I think you know part of it too is that Linus Elmark has really struggled badly in the playoffs the last two years, and I think you have to. And some of it, I think, has been physical and mental. You know, fatigue, the workload, really like starting to wear him down. Where he's never been a sixty goal, sixty game a season goalie, and I think playing every other day in the playoffs does start to wear him down. um, Both the the gravity of the games and just the wear and tear on him not being used to playing that much. So I think maybe physically and mentally it's necessary for these two goalies um, at this point right now to rotate in the playoffs because it's best for what's both of them. Now, my long-term prediction, I think Jeremy Swayman's taken his game up to a different level this year. I think You could tell that from training camp. You could tell that over the summer when he stayed here and really worked out in Boston all year, didn't go anywhere and, and dedicated himself to getting better. Uh, and he's never really had that chance to like start game one of the playoffs for this team and see what kind of run he can go on. So, you know, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see how things play out in the second half to see if Swayman is so good that he forces them to play him a little bit more than Allmark in certain situations and how that yeah. whole thing is going to play out. But, I, I, you know, I think at this point they kind of have to do it because they can't go with Allmark the whole way through because that has just not worked uh, to this point in two straight
1: playoffs, even though he's won a Vesna. Yeah, but what if Jeremy Swayman starts Game One and the Bruins are like the number one seed again? He gets lit up, and then just you're just sort of back to square one. And then Jim Montgomery is probably then you
0: just go to Elmark in
1: Game Two and you say
0: this is our animation. Here we go. It's
1: it's that yeah, but yeah, he's and and that's a luxury though. But that is in that in that case, it's a luxury. But if you're if you're going to sort of pull the thing where it's like. But but To your point, it
0: would be hard to go back to him in game three if Allmark plays well in game two, you know? Yeah, exactly. And then what do you
1: do? Like, it's just, you know, you have to have ultimate confidence in both goaltenders for something like that. And you have to really let the goaltenders know you are fully confident in in both of them. And you have to completely insulate them. And like you may, there may be these situations where you walk in the locker room and the Bruins will not make either guy available during the playoffs. I don't know what the PHWA rules are about that or not, but I mean, if I was them, I would. I mean, I'm not trying to give them a roadmap on how to like kind of <laughs> stone the media, in, but that's that's what I would do. I would just basically like keep them away from you all. Um, <laughs> the entire time we're so we're
0: so mean and vicious we're so bloodthirsty in the media up in boston
1: i i mean i mean you're not but it's it not i mean it's not a boston thing even if i was goalie, yeah,
0: goalie uh, controversies
1: and quarterback controversies are the two easiest things in sports to stir up i mean yeah i was talking to someone the other day about how when it comes to a quarterback there is no position that is more important in any made any of the major north american sports and it blows my mind. I mean, I grew up a New York Giants fan, how they could have drafted Tua, Justin Herbert, Josh Allen, or Pat Mahomes at any point. And they <laughs> ended up with Daniel Jones. Yep. So and I know you're you're, you know, you you, you you all had the luxury of of the greatest quarterback to ever play the game for many years in Boston. Um, yeah, but, but- you do see now how
0: quarterback how important the position is now that you don't have him anymore and you have other people you're trying to fill in.
1: Whether yeah. it's Mike
0: Jones now or uh, Cam Newton right after Brady was gone, like you know, you yeah. realize both how intrinsic that position is to the success of a team in the NHL right now, and how difficult it is to find somebody that's actually a quality player at that position. Yeah, and
1: goaltending is super fascinating because on the one hand, I think if you have a Henrik Lundqvist, Tuukka Rask, um, Tim Thomas type, then you're yeah. set. And well, you
0: don't yeah, don't worry on anything else.
1: But you can also you know, do what Vegas did last year and have somebody that people hadn't really heard of and go on and win the Stanley Cup. I've seen it happen both ways. I think it's more common for the goalie to be excellent and known than to be a journeyman who comes in. But then again, there are times where the journeyman may just not be a journeyman, like, you know, Auntie Ranta um, with uh, Chicago and he won the Stanley Cup. Um, Nobody really knew Corey Crawford very well when when he won the Stanley Cup with Chicago i mean there was sort of hope for him as a prospect but i mean nobody nobody really had any idea um and uh yeah like it, it's but it is i i think it's the, i think it's the most important position in hockey in some ways because yeah. it's the only guy who's on the ice the entire time and he's standing the whole time and it just requires a different mindset and a different approach physically and mentally so I don't know how the Bruins are going to do this. I trust Bob Essens. I like him. Uh, I I, I think he has a good pulse on on goalies for sure. He's shown that as long as he's been in Boston, but it's going to be, I mean, I I, I don't like the term. Like it's going to be interesting to see. We hear people say that all the time, but it will be really fascinating. Like to see how they do this. Yeah, it will be, it will be really fascinating
0: to see if they go new school and they buck, sort of the old school hockey book on, you know, riding a hot goalie and finding somebody uh, to go with in the playoffs and just keeping going back with them. But, you know, going back in the annals of Bruins history, as we're doing this year with the being the centennial team, you did have uh, a a great bunch of runs with the Bruins in the eighties and the early nineties with Reggie Lemelin and Andy Moog as a true where they did go back and forth. And then they did both play in the playoffs and it wasn't strict. Like every other game rotation, you kind of had a feel for it as a coach as to when to go with one guy or the other. Yeah. And I think that in itself is a very difficult balancing act to have two goalies. I feel like if you don't, I've always felt like if you don't have a, a true number one goal in the playoffs that you're calling his number every time, it's because you don't have one. You know what I mean? If, if you're going between two guys, it's yeah. because you don't feel like you have a legit number one goalie. And instead, you're getting sort of stuck in between with going back and forth with two different goalies. But I think there's also a belief, to your point about the Aiden Hills and guys like that in the NHL, um, that there are some goalies you can pick up off the street that could do just as good a job as as some guys that are already there. Right. You know, I think the belief is there's a lot of quality goaltenders around. It's just a matter of them getting the right opportunity with the right team. You know, Thomas at, at the right time. Yeah. No yeah. idea
1: who that guy was, and he turns into like. You know, basically for two years, he's like Dominic Hasek like yep. in his prime. I remember just watching Tim Thomas. He just never gave up on a save, he was so athletic. Like, didn't matter how, how short he was in net, he was incredible. So yep. um, I mean, took a rask, you know, borderline hall of fame goaltender, in my opinion. And Tim Thomas just beat him flat out, like for that starting job. So as it as as an older person too. And as we know as we age, it's a lot harder to jump up and down. <laughs> bounce up and down in the net so um what the bruins do i don't know we will see
0: yeah we know we definitely will and i you know that'll it'll be fun to watch and it'll be interesting if the if they completely embrace the new school um well, While I have you here, Coop, I definitely want to do just a little, you know, around the league sort of, uh, you know, uh quick go through, uh, a quick run through their league. We haven't done that in a little while. Um, just maybe one observation for one team or something that you've seen um, from that 5,000 feet up that you think is interesting at this point in the year.
1: Uh, Edmonton, I think, is the number one talking point in the NHL right now. And just sort of how... I don't want to say the balance of power in Western Canada has shifted, yeah, but kind of has all of a sudden Vancouver, every single piece they put into place is taken off. I mean, Quinn Hughes leading the NHL in scoring right now is certainly fascinating to me on so many levels. And I was not really last year. I kept trumpeting. Oh, that JT Miller contract is terrible. Um, And I look at it now and I'm like, okay, it probably still is terrible, but at least he's, producing um and that's why you give these guys these contracts is you, you want them to produce at some point in the life of them before they become an albatross so i'm yep. gonna give you two five two what did we say five thousand was that was that what 5, we said feet, yes Five thousand thousand feet yeah i'm gonna say the canucks just that fan base they need this so badly i mean they they just they were they've been so beaten down <laughs> like like and, and really, there there's outside of the White caps, there's not really another major sports team there. I mean, maybe they're Mariners fans, uh maybe they're uh Seahawks fans, but like they've just been so beaten down on so yep. many levels and to and to also see Seattle be good last year was probably impossible for them to comprehend. So just I I feel I'm happy for the Canucks fans. as for the Oilers. I've been saying for a long time this just feels like LeBron James is Le- LeBron James Part One in Cleveland, where you're just putting all the wrong pieces around Connor McDavid, and it's not going to work. And he's going to have to go somewhere else. Whoa, to- whoa! I mean, I didn't like when he signed the big contract at all. I was like, why are you committing eight years to that place? I
0: like that hot take, Coop. Uh, Connor McDavid's oh. going to have
1: to go somewhere else to win. I like it. That's that's a juicy what? take. I just, I mean, or he stays and you have an Ovechkin type situation where it happens when you don't think it's ever going to happen. Like that's the, I mean, it's, it's, it's highly possible. Right. Um, I I mean, look, like he's still, I mean, it's, it's early in the season. They just changed coaches. But I, I, don't, don't, they, don't, I also I don't, think that they need a goalie. Like things can look horrible and awful
0: when you don't have a legit goalie, and it's clear at this point that the one of the weaknesses on that team, and it's I think it's been that way for a while, is they don't have like a legit high quality yeah. goaltender, and, and maybe that can change the way some of the personnel looks on the team and the general vibe uh, around the team. I, I do think though, there's definitely something there as troubling when. You start to hear whispers like, was it the players that pushed the coach out? Was it not? Like, you know, different stories about what exactly happened. Y- you've got to expect that Connor McDavid is signing off on things on some level um, that are happening there at this point, given his stature around the league and his yeah. as a player. Um, and, you know, is that healthy? Is that a, a functional situation? Like, all of that stuff, I think, is is interesting to me and and how much, how functional it can be and healthy it can be when the whole you know world is revolving around Connor McDavid and Edmonton. That part I think is interesting.
1: Well, I was going to say, like I I think he messed up a while ago when he signed that eight-year contract. I really do because he's the only player since I've been following the NHL under the CBA that could have pushed the seven-year thing where it's you go the three-year ELC entry-level contract and then all you do is you sign for four years and then you become a UFA at age 25
0: and, and cash out. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And cash out, you get to pick and choose at age 25 where you're going to go. Yeah, And he's the only player in my lifetime under this CBA, which I mean really isn't that old, but like under the CBA, who could have really done that. Matthews went for five, I'm pretty sure. And then he re-signed with Toronto, which I think was the right move. Yeah. Uh, but but I, I think when you're a guy of McDavid's caliber and you're basically, like, you know, the most talented hockey player I've seen since Mario LeVue. I mean, I love Sidney Crosby, and he's probably my favorite player. He's, probably, he's the best player I've seen right. uh, of this era, as much to Bruins' chagrin, I'm sorry. But McDavid's probably the most talented hockey player I've seen yeah. in a very, very, very long time. And he could have told Edmonton, yeah, you're, I'm going for four years, like, and we'll see where it goes. And then, you know, if you're Edmonton, you have the best player in the world for seven years and you're happy about that. But he signed for eight. And adding those extra four years, you're now in that stretch right now where things aren't going well. It's probably thinking, oh, my goodness, what if I had, like, signed a big ticket deal with, you know, who's set up to look really good right now? I mean, there's, a lot, there's so many teams that just have better structure, Boston being one. Yeah, uh, has a good structure around it. I mean, you could pick wherever you want to go. So that's, you know, look, maybe it works out in Edmonton. They do have the two best players, or two. They, I guess they were. I mean, I look at the ages now. I'm like, geez, wait, they're like 28 and 27. This is not, uh, you know, they're this is not the two young guns anymore. They're, they're, you know, they're they're getting a little bit older. Yeah. Um, or maybe it works out. I mean, I I, just have, I have no idea, but I I think he should assign. I, I think I wrote this in the Athletic years ago. I, I thought that he, I thought he should have signed. The, he's the only guy who could have pushed that, and I thought he should have done it. And we saw like just the frenzy around Stamkos when he, I think, hit UFA at age 26. Imagine Connor McDavid at age 25, like yeah, UFA. yeah, and uh, that, you
0: know, and that's part of the problem, I guess, with the NHL free agency in general is that the best players never hit free agency in their primes. You almost never they see they can do it, it though.
1: They could just tell teams, like, like Connor Bedard could probably, after three years in Chicago and his next deal, go for a four-year. Yeah. Like, you should do it. Why not? It's, the like, the players can do it. They just have to play ball with the teams. They have to say, guys, I'm I'm sorry, I'm going to hold out. Like, and that's it. And... I don't know. Maybe it's just the sense of blind loyalty from the players that they. Yeah, like-
0: and, and I think that the whole holdout thing just doesn't happen that that often. I wanted to
1: though. I wanted to. <laughs> yes, like, seriously, I want to. I want to see like an NBA style offseason <laughs> where we get everyone moving around. Like now, granted, in the NBA it's different. One player changes the entire trajectory of a team, but like, right. but it's like, but it, I, I look at this in every sport. It's not just the NHL, but like you know, Connor McDavid was basically like. Randomized went to Edmonton. Um, you know, just like in the NBA, LeBron James randomly randomized went to Cleveland. Yeah. Uh, what do they owe these places that they just randomly got selected to? LeBron obviously had a more personal connection to Cleveland, but yep. uh, it, like it's just, I don't, I mean, like I just don't, I don't see where the loyalty should come from on anything. I think they figure that out in the NBA, they figure that out in MLB. And I'm hoping that in some, way shape or form they figure that out in the nhl um i'm sure because... the NHLPA feels that way uh coop as well and they, they would uh
0: like that and be pushing for that but i just think culture wise in hockey yeah you i know you hit the nail on the head with like not wanting to look selfish or difficult or like you're not buying into the team that picked you number one overall or whatever you know like there there's sort of loyalties there that i think traditionally in hockey you 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 are looked on negatively if you sort of become a mercenary where you know you you looked on like an eric lindros problem type player um for the rest of your career if you start trying to do things like that and and you know steer the way you're going to go or what direction you're going to or make decisions about which team you're going to play for who you're not going to play for all that stuff
1: um I was going to say, like, I'm wearing this F1 shirt because I'm excited about the Las Vegas race, which is probably going to be a total dud tonight. But <laughs> uh, I've been following it very, very closely. But, like, like the drivers openly ripped the teams. Like, Lewis Hamilton is like, we better not have – like, I can't wait to retire this car that we have for this year because it's terrible. Uh, <laughs> I mean – it. That was like in the playoffs a couple of years ago
0: when Marchand started ripping the garden at uh, the ice at the garden during a playoffs. Yeah oh yeah i mean like whoa
1: they'll they'll openly do it i mean and it's so funny like but also you like we don't have access to players on the ice right like as far as the radio whereas in the in uh, f1 you have access to drivers radio as their heart rates are like at 150 for you know hours um and the adrenaline is pumping so uh and by the way i am not going to stay up to watch the entire race tonight i can it's going to be so late um even on the west coast for that matter um but yeah i don't know let's let's make the nhl more like f1 let's have it the
0: or, or the nba i
1: like, I like that uh yeah
0: we'll uh we'll switch gears to another team uh, i like that observation about uh, vancouver and uh the edmonton take with Connor mcdavid um I'm impressed. Well, first of all, I'm impressed with the Vegas Golden Knights and how well they've played after winning the cup last year. I think the real the real uh, rubber meeting the road for them is going to be the second half of the year and whether they hit a wall fatigue wise after having such a long postseason last year. Like typically you do see Stanley Cup winning teams can come out of the gate strong the next year and be pretty good in the first half of the year. But you do tend to see in the second half of the year that run that they went on and how deeply they played into the the summer, you know, start to affect them. Um, I definitely saw with the Bruins in 2012 after they won uh, in 2011. So that's going to be interesting to watch. But the biggest one I have right now um, is the Florida Panthers are right behind the Bruins. Um, This is a team that I think everybody thought was going to struggle out of the gate after being so beat up from their playoff run. Uh, They were missing a bunch of guys, Montour, um, Ekblad, other players uh, due to surgeries and the wear and tear of of the playoff run last spring. But they've been able to, you know, keep track and stay close to the Bruins. They're right behind them in the Atlantic division. Uh, They've played pretty well. And now they're getting, they got Aaron Ekblad back uh, this weekend, I believe. And they're starting to get their players back. Uh, And obviously Kachuk has still played well and and they still have an extremely talented team. And I think um, you know, the coaching that they've gotten from Paul Maurice has been the perfect guy at the perfect time uh, for them as well. So uh, that's a team I think to watch out for in the second half of the year when they start getting all their, their players back. And uh, based on getting so close last year and what they showed in the postseason and how they played, uh, I think they're going to be the one that, that uh, pushes the Bruins and gives them the biggest run for their money uh, over the last, you know, five or so months of the season. It's going to be interesting
1: to watch. I, I couldn't agree more with you uh only in the sense of and I, I don't you know want to bring up again bad memories from last year's playoff run but I actually picked Florida to go to the cup final before so the actually, playoffs I, started yeah before they wow. started I actually had it's in writing too I actually had yeah I only it was just a gut feeling um I mentioned sort of the kind of resting guys leading into the playoffs and how I I didn't like that and how yep. I liked how Florida played it was due to Faith in Matthew Kachuk, who, I mean, is coming off an injury and hasn't quite looked like the Matthew Kachuk that we we know he is. No. Um, but they're deep. Uh, I think Bill Zito's really good at building teams. Um, still don't love Bobrovsky and goal, which is kind of funny for me, uh, considering the run that he went on. But I, I like Stellaris as a backup, to be honest. Um, and, you know, they just, they, they're, they're solid they're just solid all the way around and now they know what it takes to get to the final but it's a long season man like I could see them breaking down um I mean in some ways you know that's yeah, similar,
0: similar to Vegas I mean it's the same thing you know they played just as deep and as long as Vegas did and they just did, and didn't win the cup like Vegas did so I think well, that
1: applies to them as well for sure I was gonna say them beating in the Bruins the first, being the Bruins in the first round, the Bruins losing in the first round, ironically might have set up the Bruins better for long term success this year. Yeah, and far less so because of how banged up they got on that run. Yep, I I love their team, but also I this is not a knock on their talent. Their talent is extraordinary. It's just and more of a knock on that was a very very demanding playoff run for the Florida Panthers. I have a hard time believing they they can overcome a lot of the injuries they sustain and keep up this consistency. But I like Paul Maurice a lot as a coach. I've heard a lot of great things about him from other NHL people who've played for him, um, even though, like, he didn't quite have the success a lot of other people talked about. I mean, look, guys have been to how many cup finals now at this point? What, two? I mean, with teams that no one saw making it that far. So... I mean, he clearly does something right as a as a head coach. And uh yeah, I, I I still like Boston a lot. I like him more this year in some ways than last year, even without Patrice Bergeron, who as we've talked about on this podcast when I've been on before is yep. is great human. <laughs> Overall, we we could talk for hours about how much we love Patrice Bergeron. Uh yep. but I still I still like Boston a lot. Um and I, I again see Toronto as a paper tiger. Um again. It's not different this year. It will never be different with them until it actually is different with them, which it could happen at some point.
0: Or it might it, never like, be different with them. We'll might, yeah.
1: I mean, they could just be destined to be the ducks of, you know, the Getzlaff era, which I mean they did win a Stanley Cup before, like yeah, they handed the keys over to him, but still like that those teams were always so close and never but they actually made it to like conference finals. They didn't <laughs> they didn't like wilt in the second round. So a little bit of uh, Toronto uh, fun to sort of get your Bruins listeners excited and uh, laugh a little bit.
0: Yeah, that's red meat for the uh, Pucks with Hags podcast listeners right there. I appreciate appreciate it, Coop. Uh, You spoke of great human beings. Another great human being, Josh Cooper. Thank you very much for guesting with us uh, this week. I appreciate it. Let's give some love uh, to our quality human being sponsors as well, uh, FanDuel Sportsbook. $150 in bonus bets right now with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150. If your team wins, spreads, player props, over-unders, so much more. There's a wide range of betting options on a very easy-to-use app. Go to fanduel.com slash Boston and kick off the NFL, NBA, and NHL seasons going on right now. And let's also give some love-to-factor meals. America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. Delicious flavor-packed options on the menu each week to fit a variety of lifestyles. Uh, From keto to calorie smart, vegan, and everything in between. You just pop it in the microwave for two minutes. It's done. It's delicious. If you're a busy person like I am and uh, Josh is with his trips to uh, Disneyland with his kids and everything else that he's doing, uh, or watching uh, late night formula A1 races in Vegas, uh, head to slash hags50 and use code HAGS50 to get 50% off your first box. Why do do that?
1: Thank I'm going you to do that right now, now. actually. You, you sold it up really good. It sounds delicious. Actually. that's it.
0: Hey, not only a spokesman, also a client. They are delicious. Factor Meal yeah, really get, I'm going to get it. <laughs> thank you very much for joining me, my friend. Uh, until next time, uh, thank you very much. And thanks, everybody, to listening. We'll see you at the ring.